Welcome to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Joining us today is Matthew Kay, the K-12 Social Studies and Advanced Courses Coordinator for the School District of Lee County. Matt, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, you're the person that everybody confuses me with around the building. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that was the lead question, so I didn't prepare a response. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been fun to, to dress the same and, and really throw everyone yeah, off. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really see it. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Like I said, I think you spend your whole life looking at yourself, and yeah. you have, your hair's longer. So anyway, if you see us around the building, I'm Adam, and that is Matt. Okay. All right, Matt, so you're the K-12 through Social Studies and Advanced Courses Coordinator. What, what does that mean? What do you do? Uh, well, my job is uh, in curriculum and instruction to support teachers, uh, school administrators, um, and, and really anyone involved in education in uh, how they develop their curriculum, so that could include how they want to present their information to students or how they want to lead students to acquire information and skills, uh, how they can assess that to make sure they're effectively helping the students get to where they need to be. Uh, so it's kind of nebulous. It, it's, it, there's, a, there's a lot to it, so I couldn't really pin it down into one sentence, but really it's to help teachers, uh, in specific te specifically teachers, yeah. to help and them. And you used to be a teacher yourself, Correct. social yeah. studies teacher, former yep. teacher of the year for That's the correct. district. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what the topic that we want to talk about today specifically is civics, mm -hmm. civics education uh, in the district. So is there, you know, is it fair to say that, is there like a misconception out there, you think some with some people maybe that we don't teach civics in the district? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't say there's a misconception. I don't know. I mean, obviously, everyone's got uh, different understandings. I think uh, civics in and of itself is a very broad term, mm -hmm. and so it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So even with here within our school district and K-12 education, civics has some different forms that it takes. Uh, in the most explicit form, it's uh, a course. We teach a course, particularly in grade 7, called Civics. And that's a very comprehensive course that goes over the founding principles and ideals of America, um, the way in which America came into being through um, the Revolution Declaration period, as well as the uh, Constitution. And then it really dives deep into the Constitution and how students can be engaged in active citizens. So it's a very uh, you know, comprehensive course, like I said. It's really devoted to a, a broad uh, understanding of civics. But then at the elementary level, there are civics standards that are weaved into instruction. So for example, starting in kindergarten, students will learn about character education, kindness, and, and how to work with a neighbor on something, and, and those types of things. All, all together, throughout grades K through 12, you know, it kind of builds together to have a very comprehensive nature. And so as they move through elementary, it's going to kind of have a crescendo as how they get a little bit more and more complicated. So by grade five, they're learning some very specific things about America's history, and um, they're becoming informed citizens. And then into middle school and high school, they're becoming engaged citizens as well. So you kind of mentioned that civics is kind of a broad, broad mm -hmm. term. So let's just back up a second. Mm -hmm. What is, you know, if you had to define it, what, how would you define civics? I would define uh, civics education as uh, fostering in students an understanding and an appreciation of their duties and responsibilities to be um, uh, well-rounded citizens. So uh, just a minute ago, for example, I mentioned, it, mentioned how like they're engaged in uh, middle and high school, but they're really engaged in citizenship from day one. And so a kindergartner learning how to cooperate with a neighbor in their class or, or, or a peer, 
that's citizenship in action, you know, and that, that's engagement right there. So at all points, it's a skills-based curriculum. We're trying to help students understand how to get along with their fellow citizens and, and ultimately how to um, become adults who can help our country become, you know, exactly what it's always been, what we always want it to be. Yeah, that was pretty close. The dictionary definition <laughs> that I looked up, uh, the the study of the rights and duties of citizenship. All right. Pretty, well. broad, pretty broad term. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also learned the origin of the word civics okay. comes from the French word civique, which is the, Sounds similar. Which is yeah. the word for citizen. Yep. And also it comes from the Latin civic, uh-huh. as, which is a garland of oak leaves worn like a crown given as a reward to those who saved another citizen from death. So, yeah, so, so we, don't, we don't focus on that part as much <laughs> in K-12. Um, you know, we, we, we don't still do the oak leaf crown no. thing. Yeah, that's so. a little too old, I guess. Yeah. Interesting fact. Uh, so civics, what, you know, why is it important for students to, to, you know, to study civics? Well, I, you know, I think there's a couple reasons. I think first and foremost, we really want students to understand that you're citizens already. You know, you don't have to wait to be 18 years old to be a citizen um, just because there are certain rights that maybe kind of become more attainable at a certain age, you know, when it comes to things like uh, voting or driving or, you know, whatever. Um, but at a very early age, you can be a good citizen. You can be a contributing citizen by the way you treat your peers and your colleagues and your teachers and your family. Um, you know, even as they get a little bit older, some of the choices they make are reflective of the values that they hold and how that is part of citizenship. Um, you know, and, and so I think we really want students to understand that their actions have meaning and that their actions convey weight as far as, um, you know, what they care about, what they value. And so I think a lot of times, especially with younger students, getting them to understand that they already have some agency in this and they already are making choices that impact other people. That's one thing to understand. They're not just kind of floating through, you know, life until they hit 18. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that's really important. Um, but I think also because as a part of uh, public education providers like Lee County School District, we have kind of two goals, right? So one goal is to be reflective of the values of our community. And so one of the things that we are doing is we're trying to instill what, um, you know, the, the community sends their students to school and part of our job is to foster in them these values that we have as a, as a as Lee County. Um, but also part of the goal of public education has always been to advance society in a way. And so to present to students an opportunity to improve where we are. And so a lot of times that requires some challenges for them to understand, look, all right, here's where we're at. But then there's also what are some of the potential? Um, what's, what's some of the potential? What are some things? Where can we go as a society in a positive direction? And so... Trying to find that sometimes is the balance for teachers who are working with civic standards or citizenship. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, there's the the main course that's taught in seventh grade, but civics is something that starts as early as kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something like the Pledge of Allegiance, Mm -hmm. students start reciting in in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. and just some other various topics that are kind of taught throughout elementary school kind of like what you said earlier, you know, one of the first things they learn is, you know, what is a rule and why are rules important? And, you know, how can you show respect and kindness to other people? What are some symbols that represent the United States of America? What is the purpose and need for government? And how is, you know, local county governments organized and, you know, just things like that. Um, So so those are kind of teachers kind of weave those lessons into various social studies lessons throughout elementary school? Is that kind of how it works? Right, yeah. I mean, some there's sometimes when it's a little bit more intentional, like there's particular standards where it's obviously is built into it. But then there's other times when, you know, 
teachers, uh, just part of the implicit experience of the classroom, sorry, good. Um, would be, um, you know, learning, you know, as a class, like fostering students understanding like, oh, this student, they did something really brave. That was something that, you know, they, um, they made a mistake and they talked about it and they, they talked to their friend and whatever. You know, opportunities like that are opportunities to teach our standards, but they're not always intentional. Sometimes they just appear in the classroom in the moment that we call teachable moments. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the most important things is understanding the broader nature of civics and what does it mean to help our students get to that point. And so at that, at that, at that level, we can help students do it intentionally, unintentionally, when it appears, when, it, when we have to plug it into a lesson. So sometimes they're gonna be through explicit standards, other times they're just gonna be in the moment that presents itself. So then they get to seventh grade and every seventh grader in the district takes the class? So it's, it's middle school civics is the course. So they have to take it sometime between sixth and eighth grade. Okay. Um, here in Lee County, it's predominantly done in seventh grade. I mean, I'd say you know, almost 90% of kids are gonna do it in seventh grade. And that's true for the state of Florida. There are some places where it's eighth grade. Some, so if a kid moves into um, Lee County from another state, they need to get civics by the time they, they complete eighth grade and they're moving into eighth grade, they're gonna take it in eighth grade. So it's a required course for middle school completion, but most of the time it's gonna be done in seventh grade. And this is a relatively new uh, course, right? Because I, I didn't take it when I was in seventh grade here in the district. Yeah, I mean, it, it has historical roots, you know, and, and there have been civics courses for mm -hmm. a long time, American yeah. government courses. The current iteration yeah. goes back about uh, five, six, seven years when we started bringing in um, the Florida standards and mm -hmm. uh, end of course exams. So this, this course that middle school, middle school students take, uh, it's heavy on learning about the founding of America and the constitution and things like that, but there's more to it than that, right? Right, yeah, so the first, you know, it, it's kind of broken up into chunks, but a good quarter of it is about the foundation of America specifically and, and kind of going back to the, the principles of America, we go back to look at like the enlightenment, uh, some of the founding ideals, so like John Locke and social contract and Montesquieu and and some of these things. And then, you know, by the end of that chunk, we're going to be looking at how this influenced the writing of uh, the Declaration, the Constitution, and what were the aims of the founding fathers? What were they hoping to achieve as a society moving forward? So students really have a good historical appreciation of, of the founding of America. And then moving forward, we'll start to look at the Constitution and the framing, what, what frames our society today and what frames our law and our government, and that would be our United States Constitution and how everything has to adhere to that. So in Florida, we have a state constitution that cannot contradict the federal constitution. So, you know, understanding how this, these powers are, um, you know, how they break down by federal and state and then how they're broken down within the federal government by different branches. Um, so we really study the, the structure of government and then another part of it is really looking at issues within government. So what have been some historical issues? How has the United States dealt with that through the framing of government? Um, looking ahead, what might be some issues? And, and that's where you start to get really into the skills uh, of current events that, that uh, is you know, gonna be coming up too as well. Does it get into, is it mostly federal government? Do, do they get into you know, local and state governments yeah. and how they're formed? And yeah, they need to be looking at state and local governments. In fact, that's explicitly in some of the standards. Um, I would say a majority of the course focuses on the federal government because um, you know, that does guide so much of what we do at the state and local level. Mm -hmm. But there are standards that require them to know about the state constitution, state of Florida, um, to know how that is structured and also local government. Those tend to be a little bit more, the standards themselves tend to be a little more um, generalized because you've got, you know, you know, so many counties throughout the state of Florida, 
that are doing this. So it's not going to explicitly say like they need to know about this issue at the local level because every local level will have different issues that appeal to them. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a little bit more leeway into how students can uh, um, acquire the skills and content for that one. And so after middle school, it, it, lessons in civics doesn't stop in middle school, right? They continue to, uh, not specific courses in high school, but they continue to learn about civics. Right. Well, yeah. they will take an American government course in high school. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing that would be specifically devoted toward civics type education. Yeah. Um, that's going to look again more about the structure and the functions of government. Um, but hopefully in the goal, the way it would work is that a lot of these skills, then we transfer into high school and they're applying them across their subject areas. So while they wouldn't necessarily have a civics course anymore in high school, they're going to be applying it in their United States history class, in their American government class, but also in their language arts class. And a lot of those uh, character skills we're working on starting in elementary school would be things that we would continue to develop and foster uh, you know, through graduation. And it's not just classroom learning, too. It's uh, there are field trips, right, or different events or projects that students can you know, actually get engaged with, right? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, those? Yeah, so some of, in seventh grade, some of the standards explicitly require them to do active learning. Um, one standard calls for them to do a civic um, action project, civic, civic service project, where they engage in that. Again, it doesn't say what they have to do. So that could be something as simple as um, you know, writing to a representative or a legislator. Uh, it could be something uh, where they um, raise awareness through community service. They could do a fundraising drive for a particular issue. You know, there's, there's a lot of leeway, like I said, in how that can... Um, how the students can act in that, but uh, they are, that's part of their learning requirements, so they are supposed to be doing that. They also have to engage in some form of a, uh, an election process, whether it's a mock election, we did, um, where students could engage in mock elections in years past, or they might do at their local site, at their school, some student government work. So again, there's some discretion in how teachers instruct these, and ultimately the teachers are the ones who decide how they're going to meet these standards with their students. Um, that's not something that we would want to mandate mm -hmm. at the district or state level. And, and, and why is that so important? Why, for it to be a requirement that mm -hmm. they, you know, why is it important for them not only to get the classroom learning and to learn about civics, but to, you know, actively get engaged in the process? Mm -hmm. Well, I think kind of going back to what I said earlier on when we were talking about the idea that they're citizens from day one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, a seven-year-old student just because they can't vote in an election maybe, or they, they don't have a driver's license, or they, they probably don't have, um, you know, they're not driving their own form of income, yeah. they're still able to be citizens, you know, just by the character virtues that they employ in, in working with their uh, peers and their teachers. And so I think we want to really want students to understand that you're not limited in your ability to become an advocate for causes that you care about. You're not limited in your ability to demonstrate appreciation for our structure of government or our um, our community, and you're not limited in your ability to impact our community positively. You can do that right now. Uh, obviously, as you get older, you'll have some additional opportunities, but right now you can do that as a young person. And so part of the curriculum I think that is really cool is it opens up that door to students early on. One of the many wonderful things about our government here is that we all have a voice and we can all get involved if we want to and mm -hmm. we care enough about something. Uh, anything else about civics education here in the district that you, you, know, you really want people to know about? Uh, or is there more information somewhere if people are interested in learning more about what students are taught? Sure, yeah. We have, our, uh, we have our curriculum posted on uh, the school district website, so we invite the community to check that out, and if that's something they're interested in, they can look further. We're also working on building out that website a little bit more to be a little bit more informative for the community so they really can get a glimpse at what's happening in classrooms and, and what are some of the things that our students and teachers are doing. 
Um, you know, if, if you're interested in more, I always feel free to contact me directly. I'm happy to talk about that. Um, but I think that one thing I would really hope that everyone would understand is that we have um, a very intentional civics-based education in Lee County, as do all our districts around the state of Florida, and that it is something that varies by age level and what the kids are doing, and, and it'll look different at different times. Mm -hmm. um, and also understand that the students are learning to be citizens. You know, the, the goal is not that they are complete citizens at the end of each stage, but rather they're starting to acquire those skills and they're starting to understand the, the framings that we want them to, to understand. So the goal of civics education in Lee County is to enable students to have those conversations with their families and with stakeholders to better understand how they feel and what they value so that our, our job is not to teach students, this is what you need to think about this topic. This is, what, this is how you should feel about it, but rather here's how you can develop an understanding of this topic. And so when you go home and talk to your parents or your guardians or you go home and talk to your family or whatever, you can have a more thorough conversation and understand what you care about and, and understand all the different dimensions of that. And ultimately, it's up to the student. And it's ultimately up to the citizen to make their um, informed decision. All right. Very cool. A um, little bit about you. You graduated from Fort Myers High School. Is that right? Yeah. 2002. Go Green Wave. Yep. Uh, did you grow up around here? I did, yeah. I was yeah. Uh, born in Lee Memorial Hospital. So was I. Yep, 1983. So uh, I think at the time that was the hospital. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yep, I grew up here. I, I went to, I'm a product of the school system. And I uh, went away to college for four years in St. Augustine at Flagler College and then came back as a 22-year-old and haven't left. I took a tour of Flagler when we went to vacation in St. Augustine uh -huh. when I was younger. I remember they showed, like... There's like a little face or like a ghost face in the like one on tile. The floor. Yeah. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Uh, a lot of history there. That's uh, it. That's the history. Yeah, that, just the one thing. Uh, and then so then you came back and you were a teacher here in the district. Did I see that right. you? So I, you taught social studies most recently at uh, North Fort Myers High School, Correct. right? Yeah. Uh, did it, were you also at Lehigh Senior? Yeah. So I, I started my first five years were at Lehigh Senior, where I taught you know a variety of different courses, and that was 2006 to 2011. And then my next seven years were at North Fort Myers High School. And then this is my second year down at the district office. And so. you taught social studies at North? Correct. Yep. Um, was that was a specific uh, time, uh, world history, American a, history? A little or? bit of everything yeah. again. You know, different, um, different courses. I taught some, a few different geography courses, a few different U.S. history courses. Um, I worked some, with some extracurricular stuff with students. I did you know, student government with them and, and a few other student organizations. So, um, you know, it's a pretty diverse <laughs> experience. So what you studied in, at Flagler, um, yeah. history or? Yeah, so my, yeah. Under, my undergrad's in history, uh, bachelor's in history, and then my master's is in history as well, American history, and the, from Florida Gulf Coast mm -hmm. University. And then I'm um, working on my uh, dissertation now in education at Florida Gulf Coast University as well. Nice. And you were Teacher of the Year in 2015? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Congratulations. Yeah. What, what was that experience like? Uh, you know, there's, I'm sure there's still some, uh, <laughs> videos up, but it was pretty uh, overwhelming for me mm -hmm. at the time. You know, I really didn't, um, expect that to happen. You know, one of the, the things about that process is that you, it, it doesn't take self-nomination. So someone else nominates you, um, usually like an administrator or something. And I didn't know that I had been nominated at first and it was, that kind of caught me off guard. And so I felt very, um, yeah, in appreciation of that person, I felt very obligated, like, well, I need to go through with this, and I want to make yeah. sure that, like, they didn't waste their time because they 
it was a, a process for them and I wanted to make them understand how much I appreciated their efforts for me. And so then I just kept going in the process and it kind of just kept happening. And uh, then one day there's a bunch of people outside my classroom door and uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised and I didn't really have very good answers to some of the questions they were asking me then, just like I probably don't right now. So, uh, so what, what is it? You, you miss teaching at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think one of the things down here that's been my favorite um, part of it is like I, I have been able to get in some classrooms. In fact, just before this, I was at a school earlier this morning um, and I do get to work a lot with teachers directly. So, you know, the, the fun part about this job is that you're still exploring, you're still working with people and, and trying to understand just like you would with a teacher like all right here's here's our goal here's what we want to understand here's what we want to grasp how do we get there you know what's what's some pathways we can take and, and an appreciation that there's no one way to get there like you know if you and I were both teachers of, of the exact same subject with the same standard we might have different ways to get there um, and that there's not a there's not one quality way to get there that's you know, kind of like you know I've always said there's the art and the science of teaching so the science of teaching is what we know works as far as like adult learning theory and cognition that, you know, there, there are scientific aspects and then also the mechanics of, well, here's a standard and here's how, you know, but then there's the art of teaching, which is how you get there with your students and how I get there with my students or how we help them get there would might be very different. And, um, I think that's the coolest thing is to see the different artists out there in the field and, and how they build a lesson and an experience for students. What was your, what was your artistic, uh, what was your art like? Yeah, well, um, I I hope I evolved. You know, like I don't. I hope that it was kind of always trying to push a little bit in a new direction. And and because you know, I never. I always kind of anticipated being a teacher for a full career. So I was like, I didn't want to do the same thing in year thirty that I did in year one. And so I grew up a big music fan, a big movie fan, and I always kind of appreciated those artists who the next album was different than the previous one. You know, like they didn't just try to make, mm -hmm. you know, the greatest hits again. And so sometimes that um, invites uh, mistakes and errors and, you know, you don't quite get to where you want to go, but uh, the experience and appreciation for the art was always something that I thought was cool. So as a teacher, you know, once I got into a place where I felt pretty comfortable and I could replicate this, I was like, well, let, let's try a little twist. You know, let's throw in some, um, toward the end, some more experimental stuff would be like, uh, if you're teaching, you know, like uh, the Civil War with students, um, giving them something that's completely unrelated to the Civil War. So like um, my buddy um, Adam kind of got me out of this one. Uh, and you give him like the four t Ninja Turtles, right? And so like, all right, so I'm going to give you four historical figures. Which one's Leonardo, Donatello, Michael? I mean, why? Like what, what characteristics of them? And you got to use evidence. And so this type of like completely disconnected, ideas when students are making those connections, even though they're very abstract and they don't seem like they're sensical, when you're making sense of two abstract things, you're starting to really kind of get some deeper understanding. Mm -hmm. And so like that was pretty cool, bringing in music and uh, applying uh, understanding of that. But, um, you know, that stuff was a lot of times the, the polish that would go on some real deep understanding of, of content and skill. And, and that would kind of be the vehicle they would use to, to apply it. Wow. Okay. So Civil War, who is Raphael? Who's Michelangelo? Who's Donatello? And who's Leonardo? <laughs> yeah. I mean... So, like, Leonardo, you know, leads, right? I'm, I'm sure you grew up watching the cartoon like I did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so he'd be, like, Grant or you know, Lee. Grant or, or Lincoln or depending Lincoln, on if you're looking yeah. at a specific campaign, you know, mm -hmm. it could have been Sherman or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So, like, you would you would want to bring in the characteristics of that uh, cartoon character um, and then you would want to apply it to a historical figure, but you would want to explain why. So, like, why is Lincoln, well, you know, Lincoln had some difficult decisions to make during the war. You know, he was facing, he wasn't a particularly popular president early on. 
because he, he won like a fractured vote. And then um, er, right away, he was kind of worried about the potential of France and England intervening, or he he knew very well, like the next election, 1864, was going to be a very difficult election to win. So there was like some urgency to do certain things. And so kind of like the weight of leadership for him. And, and yeah, so. See, I'd think uh, Lincoln would be splinter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, Lincoln, um, yeah, like, like the burdens of war really <laughs> weighed on him. If you look at the pictures, they, he aged pretty dramatically. Yeah. So I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay. Your, uh, your wife also works here at the district. Yeah. Right. Cassidy. And yeah. uh, you've got a couple little kids. I've seen them yeah. a couple times walking around the building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're, so your wife also was a teacher at North Correct. when you were there, right? Did, is yep. that where you met or how? No. Uh, actually, my wife, uh, graduated Fort Myers High same year nice. uh, she was born in Lee Memorial three days after me mm-hmm. so we go back but we didn't really know each other too well in high school we met after college so it's not like we have um like a high school sweetheart story or anything um and uh, she was working in uh, the private sector and um doing really well financially but just wasn't I don't think it was fulfilling you know parts of um you know like the day-to-day life wasn't maybe quite as fulfilling as she wanted yeah. it to be mm-hmm. and so um you know I think as a lot of us understand when we get in education, you know, the, the financial side of things um, can take you so far, but at the end of the day, you also really, it's very fulfilling. Want to enjoy what you're doing, you know, day in, day out because yeah. life is short and, you know, it can, it can go by fast. So um, she got into teaching at North through a friend of ours who knew of a job of, you know, you know, this starts work. And then mm-hmm. um, the next year I came over to North as well. And so we started working together at North, but by that point we were already engaged and uh, yeah. So, but I learned a lot, you know, one of the best things about my time at North, you know, was um, working with not just my wife, Cassidy, but also some good, really good friends. And um, I know uh, my friend, Adam Malloy has been on here before and Jeremy Riggio and others. And, you know, honestly the best, uh, we talk a lot about in in education about PLCs and, you know, groups of collegial um, groups, but, our lunch group, like 20 minutes a day, like was very fulfilling talking about like, hey, here's what I did today in class. Like, oh, that's really cool. How did that work? Did this, you know, how I would be worried about this going off the rails. Like, how'd you stop that from happening? Bouncing ideas off Yeah, you know, it was very organic and and very, um, very interesting. And then the next thing, you know, like, hey, can I come watch you during my plan while you're doing that? You know, it was, and so I, a big part of me, you, you talked about like how I developed as a teacher, a big part of my development is reflective of the the people who I was surrounded by and and you can only go as far as your colleagues can can help you get yeah sounds like a, it was a fun time there you said you were there for yeah. seven years yep yeah yeah all right uh Matt what's your favorite book <laughs> you know I I've seen enough of your podcast to know this might be coming up so uh <laughs> I um I think you know I I can't give you like one book I think that is like my all-time favorite book because I think like any art, it's going to impact you, how you feel. And you, you got to make some connection. So like, if you asked me this when I was like 18, 19 years old, like it's Catcher in the Rye, like Holden Caulfield, mm. the coolest kid ever, you know, yeah. um, or like on the road or something, you know, very uh, 18 or 19 year old ish. Uh, today, um, you know, I think a book that I keep coming back to a lot over the last couple of years is James Baldwin's um, The Fire Next Time. And uh, James Baldwin was a civil rights activist, um, playwright, uh, um, many other things, artist. And in the 50s, he actually left the United States. He moved to, to France. And I think he had been kind of disillusioned about uh, some potential uh, here and like what he could do as a citizen. And then he saw a picture 
if, and I didn't look this up recently, so I hope my memory is correct, but of Dorothy Counts, who was integrating um, Charlotte schools in North Carolina. And, and, and this is one, you know, uh, one, I'm making up an age, I think like 15 year old girl who's walking to school and there's just like this group of people behind her, like hounding her. Mm -hmm. And um, she's, you know, she's trying to just be a citizen, just trying to be a person, yeah. go to school. And uh, it was a pretty rough experience for her. I think she ended up having to leave the school within a couple of days. But anyway, James Baldwin comes back to the United States and he wants to be an active citizen. And, and, and to me, you know, it's very inspiring to see that the potential he saw in, in a situation that to so many people and even to him previously was overwhelming and uh, there wasn't a, a clear vision for him as to how he could navigate this and successfully. So he fled to come back and to say, no, I'm going to be an engaged citizen. I'm going to do what I think is right to help other people and, and the courage that I had to take. And so in The Fire Next Time, the first, it's kind of a two-part book, but he writes uh, a letter to his nephew who's 14 years old and he kind of informs his nephew uh, basically like, hey, here's the situation. <laughs> like, you know, it's you're going to have a rough time at times, but you have to look into other people and understand that they're scared too and that their actions, even though they might seem hostile or violent, they're scared. And uh, to understand how to reach out to them and, and to love them, even if they, they can't love you back right now, th those types of values and, and lessons I, I found really, you know, for somebody who had a lot of reasons to be angry and a lot of reasons to just be, to give up, like his... Um, his optimism and his belief in uh, us as a society and us as people to figure this out is is really inspiring. Yeah, cool. Um, was it the fire next time by James Baldwin? Is Correct. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. What's your favorite? So I think I know the answer to this one. Favorite movie or TV show? I hear you're a Star Trek guy. Oh yeah, yeah. So when I was a little kid, uh, we didn't have um, we had cable, but like just in the living room, you know. And so um, I in my bedroom, I had this like little box tv it was black and white tv and it had the rabbit ears or whatever and this is like this is like the mid-1990s like this isn't like 1950 so like but i'd go in there and i'd put on channel 36 which was fox, fox at the time i'm not yeah. trying to plug any particular one over another but i'd put on fox and i would watch uh star trek the next generation in syndication at four o'clock and like i really just grew up loving that show and um so then you know I, like anyone who grew up in a room watching star trek on a little tv you get into other science fiction stuff so you know, I got into the other stuff, but I'm really excited because now they're bringing back uh, Picard for like a short series. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so was that what your answer was going to be or did I just? Uh, it probably would have been some sort of similar thing like, oh, well, you know, you can never who's when's your favorite TV show? Depends on how old you are, you know, that kind of thing. So same with like bands or whatever. So Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's like saying like, do you like chocolate or vanilla ice cream? You know, like I'll eat both. I don't really, I'm not going to sit there and be upset that someone gave me one or the other. I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably watch Star Trek um, at this point. You know, I, I... Did you watch the old ones with Shatner? A few. Yeah, yeah that didn't really click with me as much. And I know that's kind of like, um, you know, some people are going to be really upset with someone saying like, oh, I can't believe you don't like the old school one. But I was a Picard guy. I grew up with Picard and going forward, I really liked Deep Space Nine. That was a really cool show. It had a really, it was a little bit more of a bold um, direction it took. So I like, I thought that was really cool. But Star Trek's always been an optimistic show. You know, it's always had some optimism of... Boldly go where no man's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have a favorite song or a favorite <laughs> musical artist? Um, kind of like my Holden Caulfield days. I was a really big Pearl Jam fan. Mm -hmm. uh, as a 19, 20 year old, I, I got into Pearl Jam late. 
Um, so I, my first Pearl Jam record I ever bought was Binaural, which came out in the early 2000s. And so by, like, I don't know if you guys know your Pearl Jam history here, but like, that was like the biggest band for a while. 1991, yeah. they had this album called 10, and it's like, it's got all, if you've heard a Pearl Jam song, it, that's it, right? So it's got Alive, Jeremy, Evenflow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so I buy Binaural in 2001, and I'm talking to my brothers, and they're like, oh yeah, Pearl Jam, like, you know, are they still around? And you know, I was like, what happened to this are band? They like, cons- are they considered grunge? Yeah, um, well, that, yeah, they... Most of those bands wouldn't want that term applied to them, but yeah, they, that's what they yeah. call. And I know they don't uh, they don't shoot music videos, right? That was what was so cool. So like, yeah. I'm reading Catcher in the Rye mm-hmm. about this like rich kid who leaves everything and just walks around, right? So I'm like, oh, it's, you know, real 19 year old me, like I, you know, on the road, Jack Kerouac, and this band was like the biggest band on earth, and they stopped making videos and they stopped doing singles and like what, they sabotaged their career. Like, why did they, you know, why did they throw all that? So that was really cool to me. Yeah, because they didn't want to um, be part of the machine right yeah you know that's very mm. it was for a 19 year old kid that that can be really cool you know mm-hmm. um, to see eddie vetter say i don't want to be on mtv um which any kid listening to this now I'm, i don't even know if you know what mtv is anymore but <laughs> that was a thing so were you like a grungy i had long yes. hair over your eyes kind of kid and well so like a lot of grunge the superficial part was like the aesthetic yeah so growing up in southwest florida you you know dressing like you lived in seattle had some problems with it so like wearing high top doc martens and uh you know a corduroy jacket mm. would um got in the way of something so i abandoned that part pretty quickly and just kind of got more into the the um, appreciation for <laughs> their, their music uh, all right. So, what was your favorite subject in school as a kid? History. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was history. I liked the story. I liked understanding how it fit together. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite time period? Um, probably. Um, you know, probably. Uh, what we would call, call contemporary or modern United States history. So it'd be like basically 1945 to present. So anything after World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, my um, my parents. Uh, my mom was like the first baby boomer. Like. You know, not to first date, one ever. Not, well, she's got the title. The term in that, but um, yeah, like so. My mom was um, 1946. My dad was 1940. So my dad actually predated baby boomers just by a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so to for me, I was able to learn a lot about my parents via the history of that time, like the, reading about the 50s and reading about the 60s, and you know to see like you know, so Eisenhower creates the interstate highway system. Well, how does that change America? And all of a sudden, like every family's vacation is a road trip. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the thing before, you know? And so guess what we did is we took road trips and yeah. that kind of made sense to me, like why we did this. Um, and so that to me was a very interesting time period and how America really just modernized and how in a way we, we still are a lot of that country today. Mm-hmm. So that that's probably my favorite. All right. History guy, what, if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? Who, um, I don't know. You know, I mean, these days I, you know, I don't, I don't have a good answer to that one. And I know... That's a shame, man. So, yeah, I know. You'd think... So I, I think as a history person, like, you overthink that question yeah, so much. You're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. man, that's like... I can't Better pick be that good. person. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, right now, I think I'd really just be happy to um, have a nice... <laughs> as we do most nights, have a nice dinner with uh, wife and kids. And, and that's that's really important to me. So, okay. Yeah, right. I know. I know now that's not the most exciting like answer you're going to get. Pretend like she's not listening now. Okay. Who would All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me think. Um... Okay, we can cut this pause. Can out. I pick like uh, two people? Sure. Can I pick two people? Yeah. So, given my appreciation of the time period, I you know I think I'd really like to have dinner with. Um, man, I don't know. I got <laughs> like it, from history. It would be interesting to have like a dinner with like 
Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon. Yeah. And to kind of like okay. <laughs> just sit back and, mm-hmm. and watch how that went. Um, so that could be kind of cool. Um, you know, there's a ton of, you know, sure. J.D. Salinger, but he probably wouldn't talk to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Matthew K., Thanks for coming on the podcast. K through twelve social studies and advanced courses coordinator for the school district of Lee County, former teacher of the year, and yeah. And one one more time, if people you know want to learn more about civics, where they where they can go. So you can just go to our school district website, mm-hmm. and uh, on there under the academic services and curriculum pages, uh, we have our current curriculum up there, our scope and sequence, which is kind of the full year. So um, citizens, stakeholders, community members, they can all kind of see what is covered. Uh, we have links in there they can click on, certain links they can, they can access to the state curriculum as well. So that's the best place to go. We hope to have more on there to have a more informative site for them. And then always feel free to contact me. You know, that's part of our job is to help our community understand how we serve them. Email, best way to, to reach you? Email, phone yeah. call, um, you know. Okay. I probably don't want to pop in because I might not be here, but yeah. I'll what's your, you what's your email for people who are listening? Matthew P. K. So M-A-T-T-H-E-W-P. As in um, Peter, Peter, and then the right. letter K. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that's Peter's not my middle name, but yeah, that's, that's a good one. All right, um, Matthew Peter K. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it, <laughs> thank and you. thank you for watching, and listening. We'll see you next time.